Hello out there. This is a special release. I'm trying to speak my words clearly because I know I stumbled through my last episode publicly. Um, for the public audience, this episode has been released on uh, Patreon. For those on Apple Plus, you haven't heard this before, but I thought that I should release something fairly quickly after I put out my dark topic cold where I stumbled my way through and slurred and was clearly uh, drunk, drunk. And um, there's really no other way to put it. I was drunk through that. I was sick. I was under pressure. But, I mean, there's really no excuse. So I feel like I should uh, follow up on that. I'll tell you, I struggle with it. I do. And um, in February, my girl leaving work, um, training new people, uh, I was under pressure to try to get a lot of stuff out when it came to Patreon, Apple Plus, and I'm making excuses outright. I'm not even going to apologize for it. I am. But um, near the end of the month, I had to put that out. And uh, the time frame in which I had to put it out fell right when I was not in the best place. So I feel a little ashamed about the way that I presented that case because that case actually, you know, I worked hard on that. And... and um, Anyways, I'll uh, I'll put this out now and uh, hope to leave you with a better taste in your mouth if you caught on to how fucked up I was recording that episode of Dark Topic Cold. Eyes cocked doors locked, stay paranoid. I'll be back with tons for you coming soon. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel for me here and uh, things are, are great. And uh, I appreciate your patience with me and, and hanging in for as long as you have to this point. This is a fucking brutal case to follow up with. <laughs> so, you're welcome. Unbelievable. Thank you. Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? Hello, out there. True crime stories involving children are not my favorite. I don't know what it is about them, but I hear a lot of people say things like, uh, sorry, can't do crimes involving kids. And though I can, it certainly isn't comfortable writing about them, crimes involving children. For some odd reason. And I'm being facetious. I'm just having a bit of fun here with the topic of child abuse, child abduction, child murder. But if we could, I'd like to get serious for a moment on the subject. There really is nothing like it. Child murder? No. Having kids? There's nothing like having kids. We have a three-year-old. Well, I'm almost four is what he'd tell you. And a ten-year-old who wouldn't tell you shit because suddenly he's like a, a little teenager and truly 
There isn't anything in the world as important, as rewarding, as touching as being a parent is to me. I'd do anything for my kids, and I'm not alone on that, I know. But I just want to make it clear that I would jump into a volcano without hesitation if it meant it would guarantee they'd both live full, happy, healthy lives. Of course, knowing their father had sacrificed himself like a goat would probably achieve the opposite. I would eat the entire contents of a hospital's emergency room garbage bag if it meant my kids would never be brought to an emergency room. How about that? So when I come across a story like that of the Watts family, the Benoits, the Tinnings, the Turpins, Susan Smith, Andrea Yates, the Lists, it goes on and on. And that's an inside joke if you know who the Lists are. I have trouble accepting it. I have trouble accepting that it goes on at all, but it does. Parents kill their kids. And it happens so often that many of the stories get overlooked. It's estimated in the U.S. that 500 children are killed by their own parents each year. And no, this isn't just shaken babies, though. I'd have to say that if that's what you were thinking, because initially I was too, you might want to give your own head a shake. Welcome to Dark Topic. I'm your host, Jack Luna. This is a true crime happening. The kids are downstairs. Autumn, Berks County, Pennsylvania, a couple of years ago now, 2019. And I don't really know where to start with this, but I suppose we could get the bestiality out of the way first. She called him Daddy, not the dog, a black husky pit bull mix she's been coaxing to lick between her spread legs while she takes pictures. No, that's Zeus or Apollo or Brutus. Some arrogant pit bull name designed to make the owner feel like protected royalty. Boomer. Boomer is the dog's name, I found out. Apologies, I showed my cards there regarding my feelings towards most pit bull owners. Boomer. That's a great name for a dog. So, anyways, Boomer is being coaxed by his owner to perform cunnilingus whenever she's in the mood to send some pics to Daddy. Daddy is the man on the other end of the illicit sexual photos being sent from this woman back in the early fall of 2019. At his request, no doubt, but Daddy's not in trouble here. Daddy's just enjoying the show being put on by the crazy girl who does whatever he asks. Online, she goes under the name Alakar Asil. That's Lisa Rachel, backwards. And judging by the messages she's been sending Daddy describing how she's been training the dog to pleasure her, and the photo she's been sending Daddy, proving that the dog is being manipulated into pleasuring her, a ball gag in her mouth, nipple clips gleaming in a warmly lit room. Judging by all this disgusting correspondence, it's no wonder Elakara Seal has spun her name around to disguise it. Her full name is Lisa Rachel Snyder, a 36-year-old mother of at least two. It's said she may have three or four, but at least two for certain, thinks that she's pretty sharp. And of course she's not. She's just a bully, one of those that is accustomed to getting her way as a result of others not wanting the hassle of fighting with her. She bullies her dog into sexual acts with her to please daddy. She bullies her friends into feeling sorry for her with long, needy Facebook posts. 
She bullies her children into thinking Mama is a queen of sorts, jumping when she calls for them. Hollers for them, I mean. And though Lisa is a disgusting, slovenly woman, she does take care of things, only slipping once on record, losing her kids to child services for a spell back in 2014, but nobody's perfect, and life as a single mother can be hard. The father or fathers are out of the picture. She has a housemate that some believe was an older son of hers. His identity protected now, though I think I just heard his name is Owen. Uh, But he's not part of this story so much. And with this housemate's help, she has been able to hold down the fort. A small, tidy brick house with a one-car garage attached by a mudroom. Roof slanting at an aggressive angle above the face. Like a gray fedora bill yanked low to disguise what might be going on in the head it covers. Two small dark windows attempt to let light into a basement that seems to reject light, maybe undeserving with the future that's coming onto it. A cornfield surrounds the home, tall shriveling stalks of brown and green and purple, row upon row, ears shivering each time the shrieks meant for the children reach out across the land. They will hide them if they should come. They will bend and reach and furl protection from that mother. But time is running out. The harvest, no, the culling, is nigh. She doesn't want to be a mother anymore. Lisa's miserable. Daddy doesn't want to hear it. The relationship is supposed to be sexual. But Lisa bores him with her problems anyways baiting daddy with the promise of more photos, hinting that perhaps he will be able to come over if the useless grandparents would ever take the kids for a night. She's stuck. She can't stand her situation anymore. Connor's been acting strangely. But anyways, on a positive note, the dog just came up and started in on me, daddy. I'm just laying here in my panties and he's doing it all by himself. Oh, just bit my labia. Bad dog. Good dog. Hate to break the fourth wall here, but I'm not making this shit up. This is all from text messages between Daddy and Lisa. No word on how the dog felt about all this, but to maybe make the animal lovers feel a little better here, Lisa wasn't just taking, she was giving too. But I'll spare you the details and all that. For our purposes, all that needs to be known is that Lisa Schneider was an unhappy mother. She suffered from depression and low self-esteem, and she combated this by sending some guy named Daddy pics of her engaged in sex acts with her pit bull. But about her son Connor, the eight-year-old was being portrayed as a troubled little boy by his mother to anyone who she could force to listen to it. Connor is a big boy, truly, weighing around 150 pounds at age eight. Lisa, who is quite overweight herself, shares on Facebook with friends that she believes Connor is being bullied at school because of his weight and some physical disabilities. Since grade three began last month, he had stopped eating as much and was losing weight. Weight he could afford to lose, sure, but the boy had been getting angry lately as well, which was at a character for the usually cheerful boy. At school, a completely different kid is being experienced. Connor appears to get along quite well with everyone. He's happy and confident in class, often flossing for laughs in this year of 2019 when the dance is made popular by the game Fortnite. He enjoys reading his dog boy books and can often be heard giggling to himself during reading time. 
His mother has not contacted the school of her concerns, though the school has contacted Lisa to arrange for an occupational therapist to help Connor with some dexterity issues in his hands. Meanwhile, at home, Lisa continues to share her distress over Connor's behavior as a late with Facebook friends. She claims that Connor had even spoken about killing himself shortly after school began last month. She's not too worried, though, as Connor said he was scared to do it alone. Still, Lisa was beginning to feel like she didn't know her little boy anymore. And though she's the only one sensing something is about to come to a head here with her troubled little boy, everyone she speaks to supports her. After all, she's a mother, and a mother knows best. Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan, but the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go, and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. <laughs> Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, there's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences. They have the speech recognition feature. Built-in true accent gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient and it's an amazing value especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today. All right, everybody, Badlands food. I've been thinking about getting a dog. With my little family, we're about to introduce a dog, I believe, at some point here. And I have an interest in how we're going to be treating said dog. And it occurs to me, you know, that many dogs suffer from health issues. And with Badlands food, actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. She's looking at their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that by just adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. It caught my attention, and as I'm about to uh, get a dog, I think that I'm going to uh, use this service, so I thought I'd share it with the audience as well. Uh, I know many of you have dogs. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash darktopic and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash dark topic to check it out. Badlandsfood.com. 
All right, everybody, Zipix toothpicks. This is something that I use all the time. So this episode is brought to you by Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Zipix brings you a totally satisfying, convenient, and great-tasting way to curb your nicotine cravings. Now you can get your nicotine fix anytime, anywhere, without having to rely on smoking or vaping. Zipix toothpicks give you an easier, better, and more discreet way to get your fix. They're available in six great, long-lasting flavors, and they have options in 2 milligrams and 3 milligrams of nicotine. Zipix are perfect for flights, sporting events, restaurants, podcasting, uh, literally anywhere that you smoke or vape, where that's banned. They're also one of the most cost-effective nicotine products on the market. Zipix also offers caffeine and B12-infused toothpicks if you're not a nicotine user or if you're trying to get away from your nicotine habit. Zipix have already helped tens of thousands of customers, including myself, to get their nicotine fix without needing to inhale smoke or vape oils. Make your lungs happy and try Zipix nicotine-infused toothpicks. So ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vape, and get some nicotine-infused toothpicks at zipixtoothpicks.com today. Get 10% off your first order by using the code DARKTOPIC at checkout. Your lungs will be glad you did. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Warning, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zip more, smoke less with Zipix nicotine toothpicks. September 23rd, 2019. A school bus drops 8-year-old Connor Schneider off in front of his leering brick home and the chubby little boy runs happily up the driveway to be swallowed by it. Inside, he is greeted by his little sister, four-year-old Brinley, home early as she is just in junior kindergarten. Connor maybe clumsily hands her a toy or a treat from class, something he would on occasion do, passing up a prize for himself if he saw something in the treat basket that Brinley might enjoy. Mom is in here somewhere, maybe doing it doggy style for daddy, and the little boy puts his stuff away before settling in on the couch with an iPad. What happens next is all from Mother Lisa Snyder's account. Connor asks if he can make a fort in the basement. Lisa agrees, but tells her boy that he'll need to set it up himself. Connor then begins dragging a wooden chair down to the dimly lit, unfinished basement. Lisa can hear the thuds as the chair is dragged down by her boy. She's a little concerned for his safety, but knows he can do it. This is an exercise in confidence building for her, troubled little man. And she's proud when he comes back up, grabs a quick drink, then sets to hauling the second chair downstairs. Next, Connor requests to bring down a long, vinyl-coated wire dog tie-out that Lisa had just picked up this morning for Boomer. She likely wants Boomer to be able to roam the backyard and smoke cigarettes after having sex with Lisa. The request seems like an odd one to many, but not to me. A 25-foot piece of strong cordage with clasps on both ends seems like a useful piece of equipment for building a fort. The lead had been tested to keep up to a 250-pound dog secured on it, even though Boomer weighs just 50 pounds. This detail is actually a little curious especially since Lisa would later claim that Walmart was all out of smaller cords. And this purchase was so necessary that she ordered it the night before, picked it up ASAP the next morning, around 9.30 a.m., then didn't bother to set it up in the yard. Better safe than sorry, I guess. A heavy-duty lead would 
make certain that Boomer would never make it away into the beckoning cornfield, and for Lisa's purposes with the dog, she'd rather be looking at it than looking for it when Daddy comes dinging the DMs. But I'm having a little bit too much fun here considering the content. Let's get serious and skip forward to around 4.30 p.m., where Lisa's story of the after-school events in her home takes a grisly turn. Connor brings his sister downstairs to help set up the fort, and Lisa takes the opportunity to go out back for a cigarette with Boomer. She claims to have been out there for about 10 minutes before bringing the dog back in, then calling downstairs to see if the kids would like frozen pizza or Chef Boyardee. Lisa receives no response, which is curious. The kids are usually quite loud. After a couple frozen moments, the mother becomes alarmed and rushes downstairs, prepared to give the kids hell for scaring her. She makes it to the cold concrete basement floor and takes a moment to catch her breath before turning to the room, ready to begin her usual diatribe against her rotten, good-for-nothing, soul-sucking kids. Connor, what have you done? The account of Lisa Snyder continues with this. The children are hanging from a support beam, three feet apart, dog lead wrapped around each of their necks. The little girl pressed to the rough wood of the exposed ceiling, anchoring her older brother's own death squeeze. They are both still alive, evident by spasms and the shift of their bulging eyes as mum approaches. Lisa does what any mother would do in this nightmare scenario. She tries to undo the clasp that's secured around her little girl's throat, but she gets anxiety in stressful situations. Her hands are sweaty, so she gives up. She tries to lift Connor, but he's too heavy for her. The two wooden chairs are on the ground, apparently haven't been kicked out, but Lisa is too panicked to consider propping them under the feet of her slowly strangling children. Instead, she plods her way back upstairs and calls 911. The call comes in at 4.30 p.m. Help arrives a little over 10 minutes later. The paramedics are baffled by the initial scene. Normally, in a life-or-death emergency, they'd expect to be met with panic. But when they arrive, the house appears calm, and they wonder for a moment if they've gotten the wrong address. A fresh fall breeze blows through the surrounding cornfield, stalks seeming to whisper some secret that the house won't yet tell. The medics approach the front door and the mouth opens. Lisa Snyder sticking her head out, like a fat tongue. She's on her cell phone, speaking to a friend in rapid but not panicked speech. She barely acknowledges the responders, who ask to enter, then ask where the emergency's at. Lisa points them to the basement steps, still preoccupied with her phone call. She does not lead them down to the kids. She does not once return to the basement, even as the medics begin shouting out at each other when they see the horror. Even as they release the children from their nooses and begin CPR, yelling out that they're still alive, they're able to bring Connor and Brinley back to the land of the breathing, though each are lost in the land of the dead. It's too late. They will be rushed to hospital where they will be kept on life support for three days before the plugs are pulled. Lisa Snyder's children, like Lisa herself apparently, are brain dead. As the drama unfolded in the basement, medics working frantically to save the children, relatives and friends had arrived after being called by Lisa to come over, like to awake for Connor and Brindley, who are still warm and now breathing in the basement. 
though both suffering from cardiac arrest. These guests walk all over the house, contaminating the crime scene. When a chief officer arrives, he is blown away by the chaos. Lisa is out front, talking excitedly to a group of friends. Inside, some straggler tells the chief when he asks where the medics are, quote, The kids are downstairs. We don't have the 911 call Lisa placed, but we do have the responders talking to dispatch. It didn't take long for investigators to see through Lisa Snyder. She tries to place the blame on her eight-year-old, Connor. But the way both children have been strung up in the basement, Connor could never have managed it with the lack of dexterity in his hands. But beyond this, there were some pretty suspicious searches found on Lisa's cell phones leading up to the day of this tragedy. September 17th, search. Carbon monoxide in car. How long to die? September 20th, search. Almost got away with it. Best episodes. September 22nd, search. Hanging yourself. Short drop, simple suspension. Website, lost all hope. September 23rd, search. Does a hybrid car produce carbon monoxide? Lisa Snyder has been charged with first and third degree murder, tampering with evidence, endangering the welfare of children, and sexual intercourse with a dog. A judge recently decided that the dog aspect to her murder trial will be handled separately so as not to sway the jury. I assume that the third degree murder charge is for little Brindley's death, like she died by happenstance of having been attached to her big brother who was intentionally killed. Lisa has been fighting to have her internet search history kept from jurors, that's what I just read to you. Those searches led right up to the day where this incident happened. She says that some of it can be damaging to her character, and I'd say she's right about that. Searching how to hang someone, then buying a 250-pound test dog leash that ends up hanging your kids the next day is pretty damaging. The whole thing is damaging. It's gross. It's infuriating. It hurts. Prosecutors are said to be looking to have Lisa Snyder executed should she be found guilty of killing her kids. I'm left thinking of a message Lisa sent to a friend on Facebook Messenger two days into her children having been on life support. Quote, Miracles happen every day, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to get my hopes up either, Lisa, that you get what you deserve here. It's taken a little too long for my taste. 37-year-old Lisa Snyder denies having murdered her children. She will stand for trial soon, no date has been set as of this recording. And she is still adamant that her eight-year-old did this, that he was suicidal and couldn't bear dying alone, so took his little sister with him. This is a lie. And of all of the horrible things just covered, this lie, the fact that Lisa continues to tell it, is reason enough, in my opinion, for her to die. She has no remorse. 
That much is clear from the likely fact that she bullied her kids into the basement, then up onto these wooden chairs, wrapped the cord around their necks before kicking the chairs out from their feet and walking away, trundling back up to take Boomer for a cigarette, relieved that now maybe Daddy would come over. As the kids are downstairs. Patreon.com slash Dark Topic or subscribe to Apple Plus if you're listening on Apple for more like this. And I'll be back with much more here real soon. Thank you. Eyes cocked, doors locked, stay. Fuck. Paranoid. Okay, no, hold on. This is this is <laughs> this is real time. So I'm finishing up this episode, and this is an old one that that I recorded previously. So I was trying to find out when Lisa Snyder is up for court, and uh, crime reporter F.T. Norton is just checking in. <laughs> this is for real. She says she'll be in court April the fourth. Uh, F.T. Norton says it's a status hearing, meaning they'll figure out where they are and when it comes to setting a trial date. And there's some information here. I know that Lisa Snyder was trying to plead insanity and get a case up and try to get her name out of the news by stalling. Um, You know, she was like, she was really worried about the fuck of the dog thing and not so much about killing her kids. But um, anyways, that's an update right here at the end. Under the wire. All right. As got those locks, stay paranoid. Thank you very much. I'll try to update that as I go. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, F.T. Norton. Right there. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right. Thank you.